0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Helping you wake up, remembering this is our father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio.
0: Have you ever sent a text message and then you were like, "Oh, wait a second that hmm did that actually go to the right number i I sent a text message last week um, to the wrong number three times <laughs> it's like the same message I kept typing the number I, I don't know about you my like I probably need to be wearing glasses like that's part of the issue and my keypad on my phone you know when it shows up I'm sure there's a way to make it bigger, but I don't know how and so I'm just like it's tiny right it's tiny, and I think my thumbs are getting bigger. But there you go. I um I put the wrong phone number in three times and I just kept forwarding the same text message. I mean, the text message was the message I wanted to send, but the the number that I was sending it to was wrong over and over again. I get um text messages from time to time that are not actually directed to me. And I try to respond, you know, in a positive, thoughtful way. And now I have discovered that there's a whole like scam out there related to that where they're just really trying to get you to engage and then they're you know then they're trying to like act like they're your friend anyway the text message grandma conversation do you remember this one do you remember the story of the accidental grandma that uh, netflix announced they were going to turn into a film and start inspired by the story Um, eventually it will be called the thanksgiving text i mean supposedly that's the working title of the netflix um show anyway text and text messages and what happens when we send those we're going to talk about that here in just a moment but lest we fail to get into the word of god and let the word of god get into us first thing because where in the word are you today question i like to ask let's um let's examine today's growing your faith verse of the day it comes from acts chapter 20 so luke acts remember is just two parts of um of the way luke is unfolding in a in an orderly manner, not only the account of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the account of uh, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, after Pentecost, and how the Great Commission actually began and poured forth and rolled forward in the Acts of the Holy Spirit, the Acts of the Apostles, the book of Acts. So that's where we are. We're in Acts chapter 20. In all these things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, um, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. You and I have been blessed in myriad ways. Um, We have been blessed with the knowledge of the reality of who God is. We've been blessed with the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. We've been blessed with the church. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Jesus Christ. We've been um, blessed with opportunity. We've been blessed to live in a day and time where um, more people are able to live than at any other time in human history because of relative peace. You You have a You have a better chance of living a peaceful life now than at any other point in time in human history. It may not feel like that because we are aware of so much that's going on in the world that is not good. But what does it mean today out of those blessings? What does it mean out of those blessings today to give? To give to others. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And in giving, we are freshly blessed. You know that to be true you know that in giving, you are freshly blessed. So let's um, let's see where and to whom we can extend the blessings of God today, the blessing of the knowledge that God is, the blessing of the particular reality of Jesus, the knowledge, the blessing of knowing what Christmas is all about, the blessing of, yes, material gifts, but the blessing of spiritual gifts as well. How could you bless someone today? Make eye contact, start a conversation, hold a door. Like blessing can come in, in lots of ways, and it is more blessed to give than to receive. All right, back to our accidental grandma story here just briefly. It is for many people a, a favorite Thanksgiving story, um, and it's now an eight-year tradition. So the woman, who is now known as Thanksgiving Grandma, and the guy that she accidentally texted, confusing his number for her grandson's number, they got together again for Thanksgiving this year. This year, they added a new guest to the celebration. Um, And so Wanda Dench is the woman at the center of this, the accidental grandma. And Jamal Hinton um, is the young man. They started this tradition in 2016, and they've kept it going. Um, Wanda's husband passed away during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and uh, they have continued to not only open their Thanksgiving uh, to one another, but adding um, new guests to their table in their tradition of welcoming others. Um, so this is, um, this is an opportunity for, for you to consider uh, taking what may seem as a mistake and allowing God to use it in a way that um, that only He could. So I don't know if you if you fully remember this, but um, she sent a text message to the number that she thought belonged to her grandson, and in fact, that's uh, it, it belonged to this uh, to this young man who had nowhere to go for Thanksgiving, no family to be with, alone in the world. And she said, "Well, you should still come. <laughs> you you should." you should still come. And uh, and they have uh, folded him right into their Thanksgiving table and this wonderful uh, family tradition. So how might today you and I consider um, during this holiday season how to invite and welcome and fold in those who have nowhere else to go? That's the conversation we're going to have with our friend Daryl Crouch from Everyone's Wilson. How can we as Christians meaningfully reach out and actually connect with the lonely people in our communities this year. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Daryl Crouch is back with us from Everyone's Wilson. Happy Advent, Daryl.
2: Well, same to you, uh, Carmen. It's so good to be with you and um, this season is so rich. And um, anyway, it's just an honor to, to talk with you this morning.
0: So I God placed this question on my heart, and i thought i'm just gonna I'm going ask Daryl because I feel like you have thought about this. I feel like you are engaged um, with ministries on the front line in in your own community, and maybe you can help us imagine in our communities how we as Christians can meaningfully reach out and connect with lonely people in our communities
2: mm, that's so good. I appreciate you thinking that way and um it is true you know loneliness is we, we know is an epidemic and so many folks. I know in my own neighborhood, I can tell you how many uh, people in, a, in in three or four bedroom homes are living by themselves uh, due to death or divorce or something else and and so um, uh, th- there's a lot of people around us that are uh, are struggling in very significant ways that are only exaggerated. and and highlighted during the holidays. It looks to them, and this isn't exactly true, perceptions aren't exactly reality, but uh, when you're hurting, it feels like you're, you are the only one hurting and that everyone else is having a great time, and, um, and so there's a, there's an isolation that sets in, just an an isolation in our soul. Uh, We may be physically around people, but, uh, we feel very isolated, very alone, very un, uh, not understood and uh, overlooked. And one of the things that we, and uh, your audience is very aware of this because we love Jesus and we've read the Gospels, And but one of the things that we see in Jesus's life is that he walked a little slower, it seemed. And I know the pace in that day was a, maybe a little slower in an agrarian community, but he walked slower. He um, he had eyes for people who were hurting. He, he His heart was so filled with compassion that it translated in the way that he saw people. And he saw past what was maybe, uh, you know, um, uh, on the surface obvious. And uh, he had compassion for them. And so... Um, I think as I read your questions yesterday afternoon, I, I, I was just reminded of of how quickly we look past people instead of looking, you know, looking at people. And um, we may assume some things about people rather than stop long enough to ask a question. I, I think we we can probably ask better questions um, just because, for example, just because someone is a single adult doesn't mean that they don't want to be single. Uh, some of them want to be single. They they don't maybe want to be married. Maybe marriage isn't their highest priority, but nevertheless, they still carry some hurt and some pain and loneliness and all the rest. And so simply making assumptions because someone is single uh, or simply making the assumption because someone's in a cer- certain situation is not helpful. But if we can stop long enough and ask questions, Jesus, I remember, you know, he asked blind Bartimaeus, you know, what, what do you want? And, um, well, I mean, that seems like a silly question. He's blind. I mean, what do you think he wants? But he, he asked the question, what, what is it that you want? And I just think if we can, um, can do that, uh, that, that will go a long way in really entering the lives of people in ways that are, as you said earlier, meaningful. Um, uh, we, we can give away a little money, we, we can do some good and I'm not, I think I've mentioned this before, but random active of, acts of kindness are, are, are wonderful. They're great. But I, I wonder if we would do intentional acts of kindness and sustainable acts of kindness that we would enter into people's lives and, uh, begin a relationship with them, do a few little things along the way, rather than try to make a big splash at Christmas but we do little things and make little deposits in people's lives. Um, I believe we'll build meaningful relationships that will that will be life-changing to them and to us because we need them just as much as they may need us. And so those are a few thoughts to get things started this morning. I hope, hope they're helpful.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, this time of year, every single one of us gets a, a, a whole parcel of uh, things in the mail and uh, in our email um, and at church, opportunities to support ministries that are doing important frontline work of feeding the hungry, um, providing gifts to children of um, of those who are incarcerated or um you know, or opportunities to fill a shoebox uh, and send it off halfway around the world. And those, all of those things, you know, th- those things feel good to us. Yeah. But there, those those people are not actually then being, um, well, those people are being cared for. I don't want to, I don't want to deny nor minimize that. It's all essential and important. But I could be looking around my own life um, and discovering people who are lonely and they're not going to go to a shelter for a meal because that's not what they need, but they do need to be invited to come out of the place where they are living and maybe uh, enjoy a seat at a table where uh, a family is gathered. Um, There are disconnected people all over the place. And so as I started thinking about this, You know, I was just I just made a list and you already know this because I shared it with you yesterday. But I'm just going to read the list to try to um, provoke others to think of those individuals who might otherwise be alone this holiday season and see if I can't um, provoke us to consider sharing our table, um, sharing whatever our family has planned for the holidays with um, with one other person. So is there a single man or a single woman who is going to be alone for whatever reason, somebody who lives on your street or around the corner or somebody at your church, Um, young people who have aged out of the foster care system, they are alone in the world and they have no forever family and they have no home to go to. College students who can't afford to go home um, over the Christmas holiday or college students whose parents are deployed, college students whose parents are missionaries halfway around the world, Single young professionals who don't get enough time off to make it home for the holidays. Single moms or single dads who are disconnected or isolated from their extended family. Individuals who are divorced and they don't have the kids this holiday. Widows and widowers, particularly those who lost their spouse in this last year, but also those who are long-term widows and widowers those who are living in retirement communities. We think about um, single individuals maybe living in apartments, but let's also think about those who are living in retirement communities and have no family with whom to spend Christmas. Maybe they never got married. Maybe they got married and their spouse is now gone. Maybe they um, are divorced. Maybe they never married. Um, Maybe They never had kids, and so they are in the last stages of life, and they're alone in the world. How about those who are recently released from having been incarcerated? And then there are the unhoused and the homeless. Beyond supporting ministries financially that are on the front lines of all of these concerns, what might it look like? What might it look like for us to become the actual family of faith to actual lonely and disconnected people in our neighborhoods, on our streets, in our communities this holiday season? You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. You've heard it said that it only takes a spark to get a fire going. You've also heard it sung, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Well, what about hope? What about hope? What does it take to get hope sparked? And what does it take to get hope moving around the world i got a hope hat i got a hope shirt i got a hope bumper sticker i know a ministry of hope i know people who need hope but how do we actually give hope beyond bumper stickers and theme songs and ball caps how do we help other people discover the hope that is real substantial and enduring my guess is one reason you listen to this podcast is well it delivers hope so as you're thinking about giving gifts this christmas have you considered giving others the gift of hope? You can give hope this season by supporting Faith Radio's Give Hope for Christmas campaign by sharing your story of hope at myfaithradio.com because hope begets hope. Pass it on. Maybe you are um, maybe you are alone this holiday season and you are looking for a connection. I want to remind you that um, we we want to connect with you here from Faith Radio. We also recognize that um, as a media ministry, like our connection to you is over the airwaves and sometimes over the text line. And so the text line's always open, 877-933-2484. Let me invite you to text the word HOPE. Text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. We'll text you every couple of days um, with an encouraging message, and we'll, um, and we'll pray with you there as well. So let me encourage you to connect with us in that way. You're not alone, and I don't want you to have a sense that you're alone. Text the word HOPE to 877-933-2484. We're talking with our friend Daryl Crouch from Everyone's Wilson, um, and we're talking about how we can really, tangibly, actively, um, engage during this holiday season um, through sustainable acts of kindness, through actually being kind, walking our faith out into the world that God so loves and doing so in ways that that impact the lives of people who are disconnected and lonely. So, Daryl, um, I am thinking about a woman, um, I can't remember, you know, this is sort of one of those things where, like, you talk to so many people, you can't necessarily remember the name of the book, but I I remember that she moved into an apartment complex, uh, like a high-rise apartment. And she had, you know, her life had changed in in significant ways. And so she was no longer going to, you know, live in this house in the suburbs. And she moved into the city and into this apartment complex. And God just opened her heart to the sense that he'd sent her there as a missionary. (laughs) Like, you are the missionary in this apartment building. And so... You know, and she did a little bit of like, well, how do I even like, how do you meet people? Like, how do you even like, are you allowed to have conversations at the mailbox or in the elevator? Or like, should I get a dog? Like, there's all kinds of things like, right? Like, how do you actually meet people? But God eventually just um, led her to just start inviting people to share a meal, a very, very simple meal, like on a particular night of the week. And eventually, like, there's dozens of people showing up for a bowl of soup on Thursday night. And mm. as they get to know each other, they get to know one another's needs. And as they get to know one another's needs, people are like, oh, I can help with that. Oh, I got this. I got that. I could do this. I could do that. Like, right. And the community then really did develop into a community. I'm wondering if you have, um, you know, you have an example of of somebody that, you know, maybe they were the lonely person who then got activated in a way to, um to really demonstrate to others what it looks like to be knit together.
2: Oh, absolutely. And that's a wonderful example. And I think that can be duplicated in, in, in just a little different context uh, all over the country. I think we can do that in every neighborhood. As a matter of fact, one of the people that work with us, um, it was a similar situation. She had been through a major life change, moved into a na- new neighborhood. And uh, she told her kids that they were going to you know, uh, uh, very much the same stories they were going to, to, to plant their lives there and, uh, meet all of their neighbors. So they went door to door, met all the neighbors in the, this new neighborhood that had, had popped up. And uh, so everyone there is fairly new. And she became now, uh, everybody comes to her, her yard for the, the cookout. And, uh, she's the one that hosts the, the, um, the community events and so on. I, I think, um, I was with a a person uh, uh with a a local church earlier in the week and uh they're they're ministering to the uh, the alternative school uh in our neighborhood in our in our in our community. Uh these are kids that, you know, got kicked out of class for behavior reasons or other things. And they just love those kids and they're they're uh, they're showing up twice a week uh to uh, help them with their homework, to love on them. And then it's spilled over into outside of class where they're having events with their families and um, uh, providing, you know, uh, again, sharing meals together and doing some uh, budget planning or other family planning kind of things, you know, to help help these young families be more successful. And um, it's amazing what happens, uh, Carmen. And we all know this intuitively or we kind of know it, but we get so busy. Um, the power of a relationship is is just um, un, unmatched, and there's no limits. Um, if you will spend time with people um, and be intentional about that and prayerful about that, and uh, we, we we will have so many opportunities for gospel impact, for um, uh, to, to exalt Jesus and and uh, through our lives and in the lives of others uh to share the good news of Jesus what what better time than christmas than to be able to sit down with someone and break bread together and and build a relationship that would give you the opportunity to share um uh, Jesus and the hope that we have in him and so i think um sometimes we think we have to do a lot or we get all those letters or emails and we don't have a lot of money to give and we're not really sure how we can make a big difference in the world and I would just say this, we, we are not called to change the world, but we can change the world for someone. We can change uh, the life of a person or a family or a neighborhood or a community of people uh, by doing little things with a lot of love over time. And uh, I think when we look around and we say, I think I am, I believe God's called me to be a missionary right here In this place, in this neighborhood, in this work environment, in this uh, travel ball club that I'm in or whatever it is, I am on mission and I'm going to love these people as crazy as they may be or as difficult as it may be or as messy as it may get. I'm going to give myself in little things with a lot of love over time. Um, God God will use that.
0: I'm thinking here um, about one more uh, one more story and testimony. My friend uh, Jessica Lally, who lives in Dunwoody, she met a woman who um, had retired from from crew. So, you know, this is a person who had spent her working life um, in gospel ministry, and then you know found herself living in a retirement community in Palm Beach, and was just really overwhelmed by the reality of how little gospel ministry was taking place in that environment, and how few people knew Jesus. And so she just simply applied everything that she knew from crew, and she became a missionary in that senior living environment. And my friend can testify to the fact that that gospel ministry was effective in the life of, of somebody in her family um, who came to know Jesus. and Absolutely you know, and died as a believer because of it, because this person who thought their ministry was done, right? They thought they were quote unquote retiring. Um, So wherever you are, there are people who don't know Jesus and there are people who need to be knit into a family of believers. Um, So don't, I mean, again, the assumption part is huge in relationship to this, Daryl. And so I think that where you started, where, you know, we're going to slow down, we're going to intentionally, um make time we're going to listen we're going to ask good questions we're going to make few assumptions and some of that is make few assumptions about how god might want to use me um, yeah even even as i'm you know trying to make few assumptions about <laughs> about other people and what they need um so thank you so much i just think that this is so helpful and i wanted to stimulate our thinking in relationship to this as the holidays um as we move into the holidays so thank you
2: Oh, it's, oh! thank you. It's so important. And uh, these people are human and uh, they Amen. have feelings and hopes and dreams and um, are looking for a friend.
0: Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. We'll, um, we'll have an opportunity to talk with Daryl again before Christmas. So don't worry. We'll, um, we'll, we'll hone in and, and have an opportunity to say Merry Christmas then. Um, Hanukkah is going to begin on sundown this Friday. I am acutely aware of it in my community because the rabbi who has been um, lighting the menorah at the official city event where I live has been disinvited this year, and I am troubled by that. Um, where is a menorah lighting taking place in your community uh, this Friday night? Um, who will light the menorah? This is a this is a year in which we need to be asking that question as Christians in ways that maybe we have not asked it in... Um, in our living memory but this is a year in which we need to be saying i am a friend of the jews i am a friend of the jewish people um and and i want to go to a menorah lighting um, in my community i'm encouraging you to find one in your community and ask the question ask the question who who will light the menorah um First, the Jews is a book that you might want to consider. First, the Saturday People and then the Sunday People is another book you might want to consider. In seeking to understand why it is so important that the U.S. House of Representatives passed a resolution yesterday consuming anti-Semitism in the United States and globally, and why the United Nations is, um, um, is being confronted um, for its lack of attention to and its failure to speak up in relationship to... Um, the use of sexual violence against women in uh, in the war um, that Hamas brought across the border into Israel. So, who's going to light the menorah in your community? Our friend Mark Turman is going to join us next, and we're going to touch on some of the cultural headlines of the day as we bring the mind of Christ to bear. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Mark Turman serves as the executive director of the Denison Forum. You can um, check out what he's working on and all the resources available at denisonforum.org. Good morning, Mark.
1: Good morning, Carmen. How are you?
0: I am well. I am well. It is well with my soul. How about you?
1: Same here. Yeah, just uh, had a great Thanksgiving and uh, getting geared up into Christmas.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so there's a piece posted um, in the church leadership section over at denisonforum.org, um, which talks about why God gives us discernment, the the life-giving power of intercession in a secularized culture. Um, can you talk with us about this, about this topic?
1: Yeah, I just uh, love what Dr. Denison wrote here, really thought-provoking and some Uh, great things for us to consider uh, about our world and about how we look at it. Uh, The gift of discernment, the ability to discern, which is to see things rightly and to know how to respond uh, from a biblical perspective, what we would say responding with truth and grace, um, which we continue to realize is a lot harder than it sounds. Uh, In any topic and in any environment, we want to be people who are full of both, like Christ was, uh, and he's the only one that can make us uh, into that image of having that discernment of knowing the, the right thing, uh, the, the way of right from wrong, and then being able to approach it in the right way. Uh, as we see in his example, others like Daniel and Joseph and many others. And uh, that I just love this quote that uh, he included from Oswald Chambers, who uh, lived, you know, 100 or so years ago that God gives us discernment for the purpose of intercession, not for the purpose of criticism. And I just think that one quote is just so powerful in and of itself, because it's easy for us to, to criticize almost anything at any moment. You know, we all have this unique ability to form opinions with very little data. Uh, and God wants us to be people of intercession way more and, and certainly above being people of criticism.
0: Yeah, um Oswald Chambers, God never gives us discernment in order that we may criticize, but that we may intercede. Um Mark, that is that that should cut us to the heart, um particularly those of us who have developed over time a critical spirit. Um you know, the, where we are quick to judge, um and we'll say to ourselves, well, I mean, you know, God's given given me, you know, God's given me the ability to do that. I mean, I can, you know, I can tell right away what the fat in the marrow is. And, you know, like, right, I can, I can see it for what it is. I can read the signs of the times. But God has given us that discernment, not that we might criticize, but that we might intercede. That changes the posture completely of the Christian in the context of a secularized culture.
1: Oh, absolutely. Now, I, I do think there's a role for the other, uh, what we might call the prophetic role, Uh, Of the church and the prophetic word of God that comes to say in our culture, you know, these things are true and these things are false, these things are right, these things are wrong. Um, So sometimes uh, we certainly take that spirit of criticism way too far, but I think seen in its appropriate light, uh, a healthy approach or a healthy expression of criticism is the speaking of truth, the living of truth. And I think there's a role for that. But the next step is what I think is so beautifully described here, which is, okay, once we have done that, there should be this spirit of intercession, not simply to criticize and complain and certainly not to judge, but then to call people to a place of humble trust in God, uh, a place where we're interceding that they might experience God's best. Uh, because that is the heart of God, and that should be our heart, not simply to win arguments or to accomplish our agendas, but rather to be focused on the kingdom of God and the will of God and to intercede that that might happen, because that is the only way it will happen. It won't happen by our efforts. It won't happen by our strength. It will happen because of the movements of God in the hearts of people, and that's what we need to intercede for And. every single way, small, medium, and large.
0: Okay, we have a friend on the text line saying, what does it mean to intercede? What is intercession? That's a good question.
1: Yeah, and one that is uh, a deep dive into spiritual engagement with God. Uh, You know, I I know this started out uh, with me a number of years ago, and uh, I now see it actually happening in my five-year-old granddaughter, Where anytime we hear the siren from a police car, a fire truck, or an ambulance, we try to remind ourselves to just stop what we're doing and to pray. And I've kind of developed a little simple prayer where I just simply pray for the person who needs help, and I pray for the people who are going to help them. And, uh, you know, I live near a hospital, and I hear helicopters coming to that hospital, and I know that anytime that helicopter comes, somebody is really, really sick. And so I try to do that when I hear that coming over my house. Uh, But in any situation, you can turn it into a prayer to say, God, you're aware of this. God, you know what's going on here way more than I do. You care about every single soul, no matter what the reasons or the situation may be. And God, I want you to do your will and to have your way in this person's life and in this situation. And you can pray that way and intercede for others whether you're, you know, listening to a siren go by your car or you're watching the evening news. And I think that becomes the spiritual practice of intercession where we stand in the gap as we uh, see people doing in the Old Testament and uh, doing what Jesus did, which was to intercede for Jerusalem and for others as he had opportunity.
0: That's so good. I I like to call it hashtag pray the news Um, when you don't, you know, you, you you feel helpless sometimes um you're not a per, you are not the person in a position to um you know to reach out in the moment and pick the person up off the sidewalk and carry them to help but you are in a position always to pray um to pray for the concern to pray for god to send the help that's needed for god to provide the mercy um you and i stand in that gap um, and that's what it means to intercede. So thank you for asking the question. Again, the text line's always open. If you've got a question, 877-933-2484. If we use a word or we make reference to something that you don't understand, we, we want to be understood. And so, um, if we use a word that is, you know, Christianese and you're not familiar with it, it, then ask. So thank you so much for, you know, like we're using the word intercede or the word intercession and you might not have known what that was. So thank you so much for asking the question, and hopefully we have clarified that. There are lots of examples of intercession, of prayers of intercession, of people interceding on behalf of others um, in the Bible. And so um, that's the way in which Um, Moses prays for the people would be one example of that. It's certainly modeled by Jesus as he prays um, for us. Maybe John 17 would be a place that you could look to see how Jesus prays for us um, as uh, ultimately—well, as the ultimate intercessor. What is Jesus doing right now, Mark, in terms of intercession?
1: Well, according to the book of Romans, he's interceding for us continually— Uh, seeking to work with His Father and with the Holy Spirit to bring about God's goodwill in our world and into our individual lives. And that it just always astounds me when I think about the fact that God is so enormous, so immense, that He uh, can be fully aware of everything at at every moment. And that includes everything that includes my life on a very personal level and everything that's going on in the world and in the universe on a macro level. And that just astounds me. Uh, that he can do that and uh, that we get invited into that conversation and that we get to be a part of that learning to have the heartbeat of God and then learning to breathe that out to express it in prayer Uh, this thing of intercession that we see throughout the Bible you mentioned Jesus and and others you see it throughout the Apostle Paul's letters as in these 13 letters so oftentimes he begins with prayer he'll stop in the letter that he's writing to the church at, his, at, the, at the city of Ephesus and just breaks out in prayer in the middle of the letter and uh, often includes a prayer at the end. Sometimes it's a, a single sentence. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, half of a chapter uh, that we find in our Bible. And I just want to be like that. I want to learn to think and react to that because, as Carmen, you and I have talked about in other tragic situations that have happened, over this last year we we just know it's too big for us to carry it's too overwhelming for us to even uh consider some of the horrific things that have happened in our world including what you were just talking about relative to what's going on in israel it's just too much for us but it's not too much for god and he wants us to bring it to him to share in his longing for things to be made right and for people to come to know him and as we do that, we become one with Him, we share in His heart, and we're allowing Him and, and asking Him to carry this and to use us however He might want to use us to be that redeeming influence in our world as well.
0: That's so good. We're going to continue our conversation with Mark Terman here in just a moment. Um, Mark, we used another word that needs um, some definition and clarification from one of our friends who's listening. Um, they would like to know what the word discernment means and um, what what that is, how that happens. So you and I are going to talk about that next, and eventually we'll get to why is Jesus called Emmanuel? But we're going to deal with uh, the question of a listener when we come back. All right, what is discernment? Thank you so much for asking. We will turn to that question in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Mark Turman is here from Denison Forum, where he serves as the executive director. Tons of great resources, including some recent podcasts. Um, from Mark at denisonforum.org. So I want you to check that out. All right, Dennis, um, we have a friend asking, Andrew is asking about discernment. Like, what is that?
1: Yeah, discernment is a beautiful thing. It, it's my favorite word that kind of goes along with it. A synonym is the word clarity. Discernment is the ability to see, understand, and comprehend something clearly as it rightly is. Uh, the opposite of that would be confusion, or to be mistaken, or uh, to be clouded in your judgment or in your understanding. And so, you know, it's really a word that God has uh, placed in front of me, I would say, over the last five years at least, just uh, how important and how good it is when you can have clarity uh, about a relationship, about a situation, about a passage of scripture, about a direction that God wants you to take, uh, and that God gives us that through His Holy Spirit, through His Word, and through the church, Uh, and that God enables us uh, to do what only He can enable us to do, which is to see things rightly and to respond to them correctly. Um, And uh, I think God wants that for every believer. I think that God wants that for somebody listening to us this morning, that they're struggling with something and they just can't see it clearly they're confused about it. they want direction, they want to do the right thing to honor God and to be a blessing to those around them, but they need god 's help to do that, so uh, I would just hope that God would give them the word that they need today, the passage of scripture that they would uh, they would know in their heart through their prayer life that they would uh, be receiving wisdom and guidance from godly people around them because that's the way God wants us to experience his heart and mind and to receive clarity and discernment about what we're going through.
0: Yeah. I think that the testing um, of, of the spirits, right? Like that is a part of, of knowing what is true and what is false. And so if you are asking the question about discernment, um, you know, maybe a a conversation about what the Bible says about testing the spirits and discerning um, between truth and error, um, is is a helpful counsel as well, Mark. I love what you've said, and that is um, that is so helpful. I I think of discernment as that. Ultimately, the promise of seeing face to face, like we still see things in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, like th- the yes. everything, everything, and anything that is mysterious and veiled, um, you know. Ultimately, God does want us to see things rightly and clearly, and respond to them correctly. Um, in in holiness, and so that is so good. That is so good. Thank you so much. I'm wondering if you can share with us some of what you learned in your conversation um, with Janet Dennison about why is Jesus called Emmanuel? I know it's the subject of a recent podcast, um, and so, friends, you can find it at denisonforum.org, but maybe what are some of the things that you learned?
1: Yeah, I just, I got to tell you, I just was fascinated by this because I Never really pondered this question about why Isaiah was prompted by God to predict that the Messiah would come and that he would be called Emmanuel, and we all love singing "O come, O come, Emmanuel." It's what we love to do at Christmas, and that God put that into the mind and heart of Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born. But then, when Jesus is born, uh, he's not called by Joseph, not instructed by God to. Be named Emmanuel. Rather, he is given the name Joe or given the name Jesus by his earthly father Joseph. And Janet just did a beautiful job of describing how uh when she was listening to her husband preach, that that just struck her, like, wait a minute, what is is God you know conflicted over this? Uh or does Jesus have you know a middle name? Or what is the case? And so what she did is she went about researching that very capable Bible teacher in her own right, by the way, uh, very much uh, a very prolific writer. And this book uh, about Emmanuel, why is Jesus called Emmanuel, um, is uh, a wonderful resource to use during this time of year of Advent, uh, 25 brief readings uh, describing to us the person of Jesus. And she did a great job of explaining that Emmanuel is something of an umbrella term, you might say, encompassing all of the different names and descriptions of Jesus, uh, and is an expression, uh, an umbrella expression talking about Jesus as the very presence of God in our midst. It's a, an expression, that word Emmanuel uh, describes how God is with us in every facet of our life and that he is nearer to us than we ever dared to imagine. And you hear that, Carmen, when people pray. So oftentimes, I hear people use the same words. The number one word that we use in prayer is the word help. But you'll often hear people pray over and over again, God, be with us, be with us, be near us, because we intuitively and instinctively know as Christians that the presence of God changes everything. And that is what we long for. That is what we're hoping for when we ultimately leave this earth or Jesus comes again, is to be fully, completely, and totally in his presence to experience Emmanuel in its fullest expression. And that's what this resource helps us to do in the interim time. And it is a wonderful understanding, uh, takes us in a deeper way to an understanding of what the presence of God really means in our daily lives.
0: Yeah, understanding why Jesus is called Emmanuel helps us to unwrap that gift um that comes in the person of Christ, the very presence of of God with us. Um and and the gift that we receive in him not only at Christmas, but um but certainly in a profound way uh, we get to talk about it at Christmas. And so thank you so much, Mark. Thank thank Janet on our uh, behalf for the conversation and um, and the resource, Why Is Jesus Called Emmanuel? You can find Mark Terman, and you can find the resources we talked about today and so much more at denisonforum.org. Mark, blessings, grace, thank you.
1: Hey, Merry Christmas, Carmen, to you and to all of our listeners, and uh, hope you just get a chance to be closer to Christ through this season.
0: Amen. Amen. All right, we um we have another hour together up next here on Mornings with Carmen. If you've got questions, first of all, thank you so much for those of you who who texted in um, questions during um, during the conversation with Mark. Like that's that's an honest engagement, right? That's an honest engagement. <laughs> like when I hear somebody say something, I am quick to ask them, "Hey, what does that mean?" So come to find out, um the the word of the year, at least by some people's measure, the word of the year is Riz. Riz, R-I-Z-Z. That's not even like a word. It's like a half a word. It's like a hay word. All right. So what does it mean? Well, come to find out, it's like the the way the kids speak about charisma. So Riz is a shortened version of a Christian characteristic. It is, after all, the charismata, the the reality of the way the spirit Um, animates uh, himself in our presence that brings us the gift of charisma and the charismata. So you have an entry point into conversation about Riz. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.